Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Stochastic NBA Strategy Show. We're sponsored by Prize Picks today, and as you guys come in, like the video. Subscribe to the YouTube channel and uh, very good day to be subscribed to the YouTube channel. If you like me, if you don't like me, this might not be a great day for the YouTube channel, but I'm going to be on a lot of content today, starting with the NBA strategy show later on the day. I'll be on NBA live before lock. Also, I'm recording an MMA video today. I'm doing an NBA prize picks video. I'm doing an NBA betting video. So I'm going to be putting a lot of content out So like the video, subscribe to the YouTube channel. So, you know, when all that stuff is going live, Adam, how are you doing? How was your night? Uh, it wasn't great. I played the wrong Pacers. Um, I think my night would have been pro- well. It was Nemhard was going to kill me anyway. Um, but I lost my Chris Duarte once George Hill was starting because it was like, well, what the hell is this rotation going to look like now? Uh, yeah. So played too much Matherin, played too much Nemhard, didn't play enough Duarte. Uh, yeah, it was uh, had too much of Harden and Embiid, not enough of Kyrie and Luca on the other side. Yeah, frustrating slate. But on to the next one. Yeah, we had Luca and Kyrie each scored over 40 points. Uh, and then I think for me, I was almost break even to the dollar yesterday, which is one of my big goals in DFS is to have a right. slate where I make the exact same amount to the penny that I put in that I get back. So more, I root for that on slates. If, if it's like a neutral slate, it gives me rooting interest. I'm always trying to pull to get the exact same amount. Uh, but I was within like five bucks of it yesterday. So pretty close. Uh, ended up being nothing real significant happened in anyway for me yesterday and also i wasn't playing a ton of volume i was hanging out with my dad i wasn't on nba live before lock so my dad and i went out to dinner and then i was updating lineups for my phone so uh, also it wasn't like i was playing a mass amount of volume yesterday but uh yeah we had a lot of news that came out throughout the slate in particular when you mentioned that pacers weird starting lineup so uh it's a good thing that i didn't play a bunch of lineups because i would have not been able to update all of the stuff as it went along but like you said on to the next one we do have a 10 game slate to talk about today starting with the Orlando Magic against the Charlotte Hornets. And starting on the Orlando Magic side of the game, there are no real massive injuries. We do have Jonathan Isaac remaining out for this team. And, I mean, this guy just can't stay on the basketball court. But they've got plenty of players to replace him. The Magic run a pretty deep rotation. It's a 10-game slate. And considering the size of the slate, Adam, is there anything that really stands out to you about Orlando when it is a team that's running deep rotations? Uh, Cole Anthony at 4,100 is pulling a massive amount of ownership. Yeah, 35%. The most popular player on DraftKings right now. A little weird to me. Yeah, I don't totally understand why. Uh, I mean, he played 33 minutes last game. Like, I get that. But he doesn't have to play 33 minutes again. So that's kind of interesting. Like, at 4,100, I think he does offer value. But I do think we see that ownership number come down a bit 
probably. Uh, the optimal percentage probably also comes down a bit. Uh, what do we have him projected for right now in terms of minutes? Um, and by the way, he did play 27 minutes the game before that one. Yeah, I mean, we have him at 26 minutes, 26 DraftKings points. It is a good matchup. Like, I get it. He's a good value, but we're not that far removed from Cole Anthony, you know, not playing tons of minutes. So um, I, I think he is still risky. And so I'm kind of surprised by that ownership. But, you know, first guy off the bench in both halves last game, like you said, good, you know, solid playing time in two games in a row. I think he's a good value. I'm just a little taken aback by the ownership. But uh, other than that, you know, it's kind of just a team where I think there's a lot of good but not great plays. Wendell Carter Jr., Markel Fultz, Paolo Bancaro, all reasonably priced, all in a good matchup, all getting double-digit ownership. I think that all looks good. Um, Jalen Suggs at 3,800, I think, is a kind of interesting lower owned version of Cole Anthony. He played 24 and a half minutes last game. He's a little bit cheaper. He's getting one fifth or one sixth the ownership right now. So that's kind of interesting. But um, I think any of the starters plus Cole Anthony plus Jalen Suggs are solid plays. Yeah. And to your point before, like we got 33 minutes out of him last game. He also played some garbage time last game, which yeah. had a, an impact 27 minutes the game before, before that though, it was 17 minutes, 18 minutes before that he had missed some time due to injury. And before that he was playing like 20 ish minutes per game. So yeah, we saw the minutes, the last couple of games, but hard to know exactly what the playing time is going to look like today. So if this ownership holds, I'm going to say that he's looking pretty over but with that in mind, this is a 10-game slate. It's early in the morning. There's going to be more players that get rolled out. My expectation is that as more news comes out, more value opens up. I think that ownership on Cole Anthony is going to drop, but we shall yeah, this, see what ends up This happening. kind of reminds me of, I don't remember, if I think the show might have been with Lafayette. I don't know. It doesn't matter. But uh, the other day we had the Pistons with like Amadou Diallo on the early show pulling like 35% ownership. And it was just like, I think he's okay, but I have no idea why this ownership's there. And then by the time we got to the deeper dive, it was like normal. So... Like, I think Cole Anthony is fine. I don't think he's the best play on the slate or anything. Yeah, and uh, once again, it's one of those things. Check out all our content later on in the day, and we'll have some updates on the ownership and also what other plays become available because I would be very surprised if that ownership holds later on in the day. Uh, anything else you want to talk about from Orlando? No, just good matchup. Lots of guys you can get to. Um, or Orlando typically kind of just looks the same every slate, and it's just like, oh, these guys are like normally priced, and then whether or not you're going to get to them or not comes down to the matchup and the slate. This is a matchup where I expect to be getting the plenty of Orlando. It is a good matchup against the Charlotte Hornets, who also, Nolan Mellabal, he's out for the season. We know about that broken ankle, and then we've got P.J. Washington being listed as doubtful. So uh, now we've got the Charlotte Hornets team, which they're still throwing the corpse of Gordon Hayward out there to play big minutes, and he's been pretty good in the second half of the season. Terry Rozier is somebody else who sees a pretty big leap in usage with LaMelo Ball off the court. Rozier was super frustrating a couple of days ago because I played a bunch of him, and he got off to a pretty decent start. And then in the fourth quarter of that game uh, where we saw Terry Rozier, he had a lot of opportunities to score. His usage was fairly high in that game, and he could just not make a shot down the stretch of the game against the Phoenix Suns to the point where I'm fairly sure if I remember correctly, he'd missed three free throws in a row at the end of the game. He'd also missed two layups. And there's a thing where I'm like, just hit a couple of shots, gets like 40 plus fantasy points at a 7,200 price tag. And he just wasn't able to do it, but still going forward and a decent matchup against Orlando. Terry Rozier is the guy that stands out the most to me, uh, but who are you seeing that still is benefiting from the absence of Lamella Ball and PJ Washington likely not playing? Um, yeah, I'm there with you. Rozier looks good. He's played eight games so far this year where 
LaMelo has been out and Gordon Hayward's been in, in those eight games, 1.08 DraftKings points per minute, 38 minutes per game, 28.8% usage rate. Like you said, he was disappointing down the stretch last game. Uh, for me personally, I, for whatever reason on that slate, ended up not having a lot of him. So I enjoyed it. But um, the opportunities were there. Like you said, he played 38 minutes. He is still a solid option here. Price tag came up a little bit to 7,700, but no real issues there. We got Kelly Oubre in the starting lineup last game in place of LaMelo. He played 38 minutes. He had been limited um, previously. And so when they moved him into the starting lineup, the assumption was that he was going to play more minutes. I certainly did not expect 38, but that makes you feel pretty good about Kelly Oubre as well. Overall this season, one fantasy point per minute for Oubre. And that's not accounting for whether or not LaMelo balls on the floor. Oubre is just, you know, a pretty good fantasy producer. He's not afraid to chuck up shots. He's played 929 minutes without LaMelo, still at a fantasy point per minute, 26.8% usage rate, not a lot in the way of peripherals. So, you know, you are talking about a pretty scoring dependent player, but shooting guard, small forward, 6,600, playing a bunch of minutes. Him and Rogier really stand out. Hayward at 65, I think is fine. You haven't seen any like huge bump for Hayward this year without LaMelo. He's at 0.93 DraftKings points per minute without him on the floor, 23.3% usage rate. In the eight games he's played with Rogier and without LaMelo, Hayward's at 0.88 DraftKings points per minute. But as you said, he has been playing a bit more rec- a, a bit better as the season's gone on, started out really slowly. The thing that's really interesting to me is I think Ubre is a better play than Gordon Hayward, but we have Ubre projected for 29% ownership. We have Hayward projected for five. That's just one of those spots where like if you laid me six to one odds, I'm taking Gordon Hayward every single time. That doesn't mean you need to play Hayward more than Ubre in DFS, but it does mean that it's a spot that you can, you know, if you need to be different in a lineup, you can certainly look to make that pivot. Mark Williams at 6,300, not pulling much ownership because it's a 10 game slate and he's a center, but you're typically getting 28 to 30 minutes from him. 1.15 DraftKings points per minute in the eight games he has started so far this year. Dennis Smith Jr., 5,100 off the bench, still uh, played 26 minutes last game. Certainly a risky play, but he closed both halves. You're probably getting 26 to 28 minutes from him. So um, this game certainly falls into that trend we've been seeing recently where good, you know, good basketball games aren't very appealing for DFS and shitty basketball games Mm -hmm. are. There's a lot to like here. I think Oubre and Rogier are the priorities, but... I have no issues getting to some Williams, getting some Hayward, maybe mixing in some Dennis, Dennis Smith Jr. as well. Yeah, and uh, I agree with you also. I mean, it's just one of those spots. The the team hasn't quite been priced correctly for the absence of the LaMelo ball. So to your point about shitty basketball games, yeah, this is a game that would have been shitty anyway. It's even shittier because LaMelo's out, which makes it even better for fantasy purposes. Yes, exactly. So. That's where we're at with that one. Now, the next game has the highest total on the entire slate, currently at 241.5 points. Portland Trailblazers on the road against the Atlanta Hawks. And I was really curious to see what was going to happen with Damian Lillard's usage with Anthony Simons back. And I guess we're just never going to find out. <laughs> Simons played like uh, like six minutes and then he got hurt again. So now we've got the same scenario. Damian Lillard has no Anthony Simons. There's Jeremy Grant back in the mix. But by and large part, Portland plays a rotation with so many low usage guys right now that Damian Lillard just gets to take all the shots that he wants because the players around him, it's Cam Reddish, Drew Eubanks, Matisse, Thibel, uh, you know, Shaden Sharp, Trent and Watford. These are just low usage guys with no offensive game whatsoever. And the entire offense just becomes Damian Lillard. He's really expensive now, but considering that Anthony Simons is once again hurt after his brief return, how does Dame look as a payoff option to you? Yeah, that Simons thing was really frustrating. I have two DraftKings best ball teams in the third round. One of them has Simons, so... They said, you know, that Simons is coming back earlier than expected. I'm like, oh, you know, that gives it a chance. And then he just now he's out for the rest of the, the time, probably. But um, the, this price tag on Lillard, I think, is perfectly fine 
without Anthony Simons, because for, for the reasons you were saying, you have Jeremy Grant, who at least has some sort of you know offensive presence. But other than that, nobody on this team is an offensive player. And so you get rates from Damian Lillard that are comparable to like what Luca was doing before uh, Kyrie Irving came. You know, you're talking about 40 plus percent usage and a near 40% assist percentage when Simons and Nurkic aren't on the floor for Lillard. So um, I think, you know, there's certainly some sticker shock just because, you know, you're not used to getting Damian Lillard near 12K, but I think it's fully deserved. I have no problems getting him here. It's a 10 game slate. So I'm sure we're going to end up with plenty of value. That's going to make it easy to get there. I really like getting to Dave. Uh, by the way, I got 21 teams through to the third round of the DraftKings best ball. And you got 21 through running- to the third round. Yeah, I've I've twenty I have twenty one teams left right now, uh, and all, I've Tyrese Halliburton on almost all of them, and so he misses yesterday's game. I've run so good with injuries all year, and then we finally get to this round, and everybody falls apart and gets hurt. How many teams did you did you did you get one fifty in? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah, I, yeah I, I forgot that I didn't play. I only played like forty two. I think I got like twenty five, twenty four through to the second round, but then I only got two to the third round. But uh, yeah, I forgot I didn't play 150. So I was like, how the hell did you get 21? Yeah. So one of the, one of the main reasons also, and then I, I know we got 10 NBA games to talk about, but I went pretty concentrated with the players I drafted. I had Laurie Markkinen on like 130 of my 150 teams. His ADP was past hundred to open. He was my favorite player by far. So like, that's something that really carried a lot of my teams. I drafted a lot of Halliburton, which was really good until like right now when he got hurt right. yesterday. Uh, so that's like the main reason. But uh, but who, who else are you uh, state banking on? Do you know? Oh, uh, no, I don't really remember what I have. All right, fair enough. They, they just carry. look like mediocre teams that hopefully get hot. Yeah, I get that. Uh, anything else from Portland you want to talk about? We've got all the usage going to Dame and then the rest of the guys. You know, Jeremy Grant's a usage player, but the rest of the guys are just not good fantasy producers by and large. Yeah, I mean, Jeremy Grant is still interesting to me because in theory he should have he should be able to put up some big games here without Simons and without Nurkic because he's very clearly the second option the problem is that the second option here is really still like the third option because Dame is options number one and two but there's nothing other than Dame stopping Jeremy Grant from having a high uh, you know high ceiling here but uh, he is getting the ownership he deserves I don't think he's going under owned or anything like that beyond that you're just kind of looking at value and you know hoping to get lucky Trendon Watford's another one that right now is in that Cole Anthony range where like I think he's fine but there's no way he's gonna be 17 percent owned and he certainly shouldn't be you got a ton of minutes from him last game he played 30 minutes but that's a game where Drew Eubanks was in foul trouble early um then, you know, Watford did close over him down the stretch, but you're getting 48 minutes split between Eubanks and Watford. One of them certainly can end up being a good value with Eubanks at 4,600, Watford at 3,700, but neither one's going to stand out, you know, assuming that they're pretty much splitting 48 minutes. Matisse Thibel, Cam Reddish, you know, the minutes should be there, but neither one is a very appealing point per minute guy. So to me, Dame is the clear priority. Jeremy Grant is fine. And then, you know, if you just end up with a little bit of Watford or Eubanks or Bible or reddish that's all fine but the only thing i really love is dane so let's talk about the other side of the game we're also super high total the hawks are expected to put up a ton of points in this game 241 and a half total not only is it that large of a total the hawks are favored by seven so they're expected to be the highest scoring team on the slate by a really wide margin but even with that said it's hard for me to find the individual players that stick out on this team trey young and Dejounte murray the fit hasn't really been ideal from a fantasy standpoint this year and Pretty frequently, we've seen players in and out of the lineup for the Hawks, and everybody's healthy right now. John Collins is healthy. 
DeAndre Hunter's healthy. Clint Capella's healthy and not out of minutes restriction. Young and Murray are both good to go. So with the Hawks expected to score all of these points, how are you going to be handling them in tournaments when nobody really looks spectacular from a points per dollar perspective? So Trey Young, like always, is going to be a good play. And, you know, it's a good matchup. Obviously, 9,500. He looks fine. He's pulling 16% ownership. Cool. No problems with that. The spot that's really, really, really interesting to me is Clint Capella at 5,600. All season long, we've seen, you know, the 48-minute split between Capella and Onekwa Kongwu, where, you know, typically you're going to call it 27, 28 minutes for Capella. You're going to call it, you know, 20, 21 for Okongwu. The thing that's really interesting to me, and this certainly could just be a, a coincidence, but game one of Quinn Snyder, 35.2 minutes for Clint Capella. So at 5,600, the way I'm thinking about this is... Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. If this does just turn back into what it was, and you're getting 27, 28 minutes from Capella, he'd be a good play anyway at 5,600. He's a good point per minute guy. That's a cheap price tag. He can get it done in 28 minutes. If Quinn Snyder is going to play Clint Capella like a true starting center, this guy is $2,000 underpriced. And so I'm really interested in getting him here at 5,600. Yeah, I think that definitely makes some sense. And the other, that is something also is we did see a coaching change and, you know, pretty fresh. Quinn Snyder just got signed by this team. And, uh, you know, there'd been turmoil with the coaching staff the entire year, whether Nate McMillan, there was at one point uh, rumors that he was going to retire at the midway point of the season. So, uh, who knows how much of an impact that has had on this team. And we should consider that some of these coaching change or this coaching change to Quinn Snyder is going to alter the rotation. Is there anything else you've noticed about the rotation that could change with Schneider coaching? Uh, that was the big thing. Like just, you know, kind of looking at the, you know, playing time and at the rotations, you know, you got 34 minutes from Trey Young. That's normal ish. Uh, DeJounte Murray played 35. That's normal. DeAndre Hunter, Hunter played 33. Nothing, you know, too weird there. John Collins played 26. That's what we've been seeing. Um, Sadiq Bay played 27 off the bench. He closed over Collins. Like you could certainly get some games where Collins plays 30 and Bay plays 23, but that's pretty much the situation we had been in. Um, Bogdanovich didn't play a ton. The only thing that seemed like actually interesting to me was that Quinn Snyder, at least in game one, treated Clint Capella like a true starting center. I actually really like that a lot. It was something that I hadn't really taken too much notice of and I'm probably going to bet some like the alternate lines on Clint Capella as well. I haven't looked at what they are, but I'm sure you can get him for like, you know, like 15 plus rebounds or something like pretty good plus odds. So that's something I'm going to really consider. And I think it's a really good shout out by you. Anything else you want to talk about from the Hawks? Uh, one other doesn't really matter, but one other note, I just wanted to point it out since Quinn Snyder's back. Um, and, you know, you did mention that the Hawks are seven point favorites. Quinn Snyder had a very strong tendency when he was in Utah um, of during home games, even in blowouts, he would play his guys pretty deep into the fourth quarter. Uh, so that's something where like, not that I would be heavily adjusting anything for a seven point spread anyway, but uh, it's just a Quinn Snyder note to keep in mind. If he does keep doing this, like he did in Utah, he was kind of a blowout proof coach as well. Yeah. Good to know. And uh, yeah, coaching, we don't usually see him at this point in the season, but we did with the Atlanta Hawks. So keep note of that, everybody. Uh, also, we're sponsored by Prize Picks today. If you guys haven't signed up at Prize Picks yet, 
do it by using the link we have below in the description box because not only is that going to get you up to a $100 bonus on your first deposit at prize picks, it's also going to get you one free month of Stochastic Plus Platinum. So with our with our NBA tools, it's a lot of good reasons to sign up at prize picks. Number one, it's going to help you make money at prize picks, but also it's going to help you make money at DFS because we've got our player projections, our ownership projections, the boom bust tool, the lineup generator that we've been featuring more frequently on shows now. If you guys want access to all of that for free, just sign up at prize picks using our link. It's a really, really cheap way to get access to everything we have on the paywall over at stochastic.com. And also NBA seasons, I mean, uh, NBA season going on, but also MLB season starting up later this month. And we're going to have all of our usual tools for baseball as well. So good time to get involved. Sign up at prize picks using our link. Uh, next game, the Brooklyn Nets against the Boston Celtics. I don't know what to make of Brooklyn right now. It's a team that sometimes I look at and it's like, boy, this is a team with a, a deep roster, a lot of good players. They're competing against teams you wouldn't think they should compete about. And then they play like the Chicago Bulls and they lose by 50 points. And the rotations are inconsistent. The performance of the team has been inconsistent. It's a tough matchup against the Celtics. Uh, this is not a team I'm all that interested in for today, Adam. Do you see it differently? Uh, no, sorry. I was trying to log into the DraftKings Sportsbook so I could start betting Clint Capello overs. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, we are on Brooklyn and Boston. And uh, yeah, no, I, I see it about the same way. Like Mikel Bridges has taken on a, a bigger role for Brooklyn. Um, the upside certainly there for him. He's playing big minutes. It, it, this is just a team that's really appealing to me in tournaments because, um, you know, Nick Claxton at 6,400, he's just always going to be a high upside center that looks very similar to other high upside centers. Nothing special there. But certainly whenever you get him at low ownership, it's, you know, an appealing ceiling to get to. But then you talk about the Cameron Johnson, Spencer, Spencer Dinwiddie, Mikel Bridges trio. And I think you're just going to sort of see Bridges probably be the number one guy most often. But I think you're going to see it kind of vary game by game. And it creates a situation where the medium projection is never going to be that appealing relative to salary for these guys because you're going to have enough, you know, dud performances mixed in. But the good games are going to just destroy the price point. And so that makes it really interesting in tournaments. None of them are underpriced, really. Cameron Johnson's the easiest to get to at 5,500. If you wanted to argue anyone was underpriced, it would probably be him. But you still get that massive ceiling from guys like Mikel Bridges. We haven't seen it really yet from Dinwiddie, but I do think it's there. Um, so in tournaments, it is kind of an appealing team. But this is also a pretty difficult matchup against Boston on a 10-game slate. It's not one that I really plan on prioritizing much of anything. I do think Cameron Johnson, small forward, power forward, 5,500, is probably the easiest guy to get to from Brooklyn. So now let's talk about the other side of the game when it comes to the Boston Celtics. And Boston also pretty healthy right now. Derek White got banged up last game, but he is going to be playing. And now we've got Jalen Brown. He's back and healthy. Jason Tatum, obviously, he's been healthy pretty much all year. Marcus Smart also back in the, in the, in the picture. He had missed some time. You know, it's a matchup against the Nets where I don't think the Nets are good right now, but they have so many good individual defenders. I wouldn't be surprised if going forward this ends up being a pretty good defense. But also just with Boston being as expensive they are and everybody healthy, I just don't think this is a good game on the whole. Yeah, I don't think it's particularly appealing. You know, it goes without saying, if you get to Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum, those guys are both fine. Robert Williams is another low-owned, high-upside center that you can throw into the mix. He's 5,100, played 31 minutes. Again, last game, you know, you've seen that 28 to 31-minute playing time from him be pretty consistent. So no issues getting there. But outside of just, you know, low-owned tournament plays, I don't think there's anything I'm prioritizing from Boston. So let's move on to the next game. And another one that, uh, at least on one side of the game, I think is going to be somewhat shitty for fantasy purposes. The Knicks against the Heat. And 
of course, to do the strategy show. So Jimmy Butler's question, we'll be talking about that on the Heat side of the game in a second. But first from the Knicks, the total is extremely low in this game, 215 and a half. This is the lowest total of the day. The next lowest total is 223 in the Suns-Phoenix game. So the pace of this game is expected to be really, really slow. I know the Knicks play concentrated rotations and we're used to them being in slower pace games, but also Mitchell Robinson is back now after he was out for a little bit. I don't think this is a great team to target here either in the New York Knicks just because of the pace of play. Same. Uh, this game sucks. Uh, like Julius Randle's really good. Jalen Brunson's really good. Obviously, if you want to get to those guys at no ownership in a tournament lineup here or there, they can still have big games despite the pace. But there's just so there's going to be so many good plays on a 10-game slate that you can't just you know say you're prioritizing every single good player, and that's going to push Randle and Brunson down the list. Uh, Mitchell Robinson, same boat as Robert Williams. He's cheap at 5,100. He can give you around 30 minutes. He's got plenty of block upside that increases his volatility, but there's also a hundred good centers on this slate. I got nothing that, you know, I'm actively looking to get to. So let's talk about the heat on the other side. And I hope Jimmy Butler just plays because then I could just feel pretty good about saying like, Hey, not really going to get to a whole bunch from this game because Jimmy Butler, obviously if he sits, it would have a big impact on the heat, but even if he plays, I've had issues getting to him lately because he's not playing a ton of minutes and his usage is down this year. So I know he has some of these outlier games like against the Sixers two games ago where he made like 80% of his shots from the field. But his follow-up game against the Sixers, he plays 27 minutes, he scores 25 fantasy points. And we've kind of seen Butler capped around 32 minutes as of late. So, and also, like I said, the usage down a little bit as well. For the season, Jimmy Butler is a 25.4% usage rate. So down from the 27% he had last year, if Jimmy Butler ends up sitting, though, what would stand out to you from the Heat and what would be a really low pace game? Yeah, I mean, if Butler is out, you get increased production from Tyler Hero. You get increased production from Bam Adebayo. You would get more minutes from some combination of Caleb Martin, Max Struess, Victor Oladipo. It would make all of those guys start to look like decent plays. I still don't think anybody would be a true priority, but... If Butler is in, I'm basically not interested in any of it. So um, it would at least move those guys to like secondary options instead of just random pieces. Yeah. So I, like I said, I hope Butler plays and then I just don't have to worry about this game. Cause are you like me? If Butler plays like this is a game you'd feel pretty good about writing off both sides for the most part. Yeah. This would just be very similar to the Knicks side where it's like, can Tyler Hero or Bam or Butler have a good game? Sure. But um, it probably won't be in my lineup if they do. So let's just move on to the next one then. And it is the Phoenix Suns against the Chicago Bulls. So from the Suns side of the game, you know, this is another team where I'm not going to have all that much interest in, but the reason for the Suns is different. The Suns perspective is because they've Kevin Durant. Now he's playing on somewhat of a minutes restriction. Like I think we're probably going to be seeing what's like 28 minutes or something like that from Kevin Durant in the foreseeable future. He's going to be closing games, but even when he's on the court, he's not playing enough where he individually has upside but he's going to take shots away from Devin Booker. He's going to take shots away from DeAndre Ayton. So I think this is another team that's really hard to target just because Kevin Durant's being integrated into, and he's obviously a really high usage guy. Yeah, this is really tricky. So I'm with you. Like, I agree completely. You know, Kevin Durant being there, he's 10-4. He's on a minutes limit, so you can't really play him. And he is obviously a high usage guy that's going to cut into Devin Booker. It should take production away from Paul Booker Ayton. The thing that does make this tricky is... This offense is impossible to defend when Kevin Durant's on the floor. So 
I'm curious to see what exactly the fantasy point per minute trade-off ends up being for Devin Booker. We know we can expect less shot volume, but if he's going to be getting more open looks, you could conceivably get a situation where he's still a very good point per minute guy. We saw him have a massive game in 33 minutes last game out. Obviously that was against Charlotte and it's one game. So you don't want to draw any, you know, massive, you know, any huge conclusions from that, but it is conceivable that you get kind of Devin Booker coming out in the wash where he's getting less shots, but he's getting a better quality of shot. And so he still ends up being really good at 9K. It's interesting in tournaments. Um, but, you know, again, it's a big slate. There is the Kevin Durant risk, uh, but it does make it kind of tricky to talk about because I don't think it's quite as simple as just saying like Kevin Durant's here. Devin Booker is not going to get shots because um, Devin Booker is going to get some really good shots. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I think we should see an uptick in efficiency for him going forward. If I'm not mistaken, would Booker and Durant combine to like 25 of 41 in the first game together? And like you said, yeah, it's a game against the Charlotte Hornets. But still, this is an NBA team. They still have to make the shots. And it's not like these guys were taking nothing but layups. It was just wide open perimeter shots. And they're able to knock them down. And like you said, I just don't know how anybody is going to defend them. Uh, for me personally, though, it's just going to be hard to project any of them well. Right. Uh, but they're so low owned that if you guys were building out lineups and you got to some of Booker here or there, or maybe Chris Paul ends up, you know, seeing an uptick in assist rate, I think that would be all reasonable. But I know for the majority of you guys who are watching our hand building one, three lineups, like there's nobody from Phoenix I would consider in that scenario. Yeah, I agree. It's kind of similar to the the Dallas with Luca and, and Kyrie. Like you expect to see lower rates from Booker, but you still just have a massive ceiling because you know, like we saw yesterday when Kyrie and Luca are playing together, it's just impossible to defend and they're getting better looks than, than normal. You're going to see that same thing here with Booker and with Durant. Um, it's really difficult to quantify at this point since we only have one game of it. Um, but it's just a situation where I still think the ceiling for Devin Booker is massive, but the median projection probably does come down a bit from where it was. So let's talk about the Chicago Bulls side of the game and a team that's always been a little bit difficult to figure out where the usage is going for them this year between Vooch, between Levine and between DeRozan. One thing that is kind of nice, though, is that nobody else is taking shots really right now. It's kind of just those three guys that are responsible for all of the usage. So between Vooch, Levine, DeRozan, do any of them stand out to you as being good plays in what should be a fairly difficult matchup against the Suns? Yeah, nothing that stands out in the context of the slate. I think they're all fine. If you get to Vooch, DeRozan, Levine, like that's they're always fine. That's you know, it's been that way all season long, but they are pretty much correctly priced. You have some really cheap value with Alex Caruso at 3,200 and Kobe White at 3,400. It's a 10 game slate, so you probably won't need to go that route, but it's there if you need to throw darts in like a 150 lineup tournament. But uh, really, I don't think this is a very appealing team at all. Yeah, it's a team that in neutral matchups sometimes could be hard to get to, and uh, this is going to be. Another hard one, and I'm not exactly sure what the Suns' defense is going to look like going forward. It stands to reason that without Mikael Bridges and without Cam Johnson, it would be a little bit worse, but I still think it's going to be a well-above-average defense, so uh, no real interest in the Bulls for me. Any of the role players stand out to you? Because that's another one where none of them look like they should project well. No, I mean, you've got really cheap price tags on White, Caruso, Drummond is the backup center. Beverly's cheap at 3,700 coming off. Probably the best game he will ever play for the rest of his career. But uh, yeah, nothing that stands out. Yeah, Beverly was looking all kinds of washed as of late. And the thing also, I, 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 when this happens, nothing more tilting. But of course, we're on live before lock. And I can't remember who the chalk point guard was on that Patrick Beverly slate. There was some... There was somebody who was like an outstanding value play. And we got Chris a super Dunn. chat on. Uh, was was it, it was it the Chris Dunn slate? 
it was, except I didn't like Chris Dunn. There was somebody yeah. else I liked instead, but either way, we got a super chat and somebody asked us Patrick Beverly or somebody who's just a very obvious value play. And it was like, well, obviously not Patrick Beverly because he's Patrick <laughs> Beverly. And then Patrick Beverly goes out and plays the best game he's played in like six years. Yeah. And it was, it was very clear. I was on the wrong side of it. Like three minutes into the game, we were, we were like three minutes into the game. He had like four points, four rebounds, two steals and a block or something like that. It's like, Oh great. Here's the 3% own guy who just crushes this league. Yeah. The dude had 30 fantasy points at halftime. That's like two games worth of production for Patrick Beverly. Yeah, what is, what is his point from production this year? Like, it's like point, 0.6. Yeah. And there we go. And, and, and that's how it new, and that's how it, uh, that's how it comes back to the average there is he just puts up all his fantasy points for like right. the entire month in one game. Uh, so nothing else from Chicago to talk about? No. So let's move on to a more interesting team and a more interesting game, the Utah Jazz on the road against the Oklahoma City Thunder. From the Utah Jazz standpoint, Chris Dunn looks like he's going to be popular, particularly over on FanDuel. I didn't like him the other day. I'm not going to like him this late either. And I understand that a lot of people who played Chris Dunn were not upset with the results. He wasn't great. He wasn't bad the other day. But keep in mind in that game as well, Ogbaji got hurt. He started over Chris Dunn. Chris Dunn was on pace to play like 16 minutes in that game and not do anything. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. So I'm hoping that people played Chris Dunn. They still see he's relatively cheap and they want to roster him again. He is projected for 17% ownership on DraftKings. FanDuel, though, Chris Dunn is projected for 45% ownership. That is insane to me. I actually might be more apt to play on FanDuel instead of DraftKings today, just if that ownership holds, because I do not think Chris Dunn is a good option at 45% ownership on FanDuel. No, neither do I. Uh, the, the other thing here is, let's not pretend like Chris Dunn is like a great point-per-minute guy either. Uh, for his career, he's 0.91 DraftKings points per minute. Um, I'm not... So, like, the Agbaji injury certainly made it more likely Dunn would close that game. I think you could have seen Dunn close anyway. So, like, I'm not sure that he was only going to play, you know, those 16 minutes. But in the first half, we didn't see him play a single minute next to Taylor Horton Tucker. We hadn't seen him play a single minute next to Horton Tucker in previous games. Then he did close with Noah Baji. Um, but I'm with you. Like, even if he plays 24 minutes at 4,300, I'm not that interested. And he could certainly play less you know, if they just close with somebody else. So I don't totally get the 17% ownership at 4,300 on DraftKings. I certainly don't get why half the field would be playing him on FanDuel. Um, you know, at, at, at 4,500, it's not even like he's minimum salary or anything. I don't get it. The guy's not a very good point per minute guy anyway. His minutes are up in the air. I'm good. If Chris Dunn beats me, he beats me. Yeah, he, so he had that one game where he went off. He scored, you know, 40 fantasy points in 23 minutes. I'm not mistaken, nobody played him really on that slate anyway, but Look at the other years that we've seen Chris Dunn as an NBA player. He's never been a great points per minute fantasy producer. He's always been below a fantasy point per minute. And, I mean, we don't even have that much data on him because he, you know who doesn't think Chris Dunn is good? Everybody it, in the – every executive Every NBA team yeah. that's had the ability to sign Chris Dunn for free and has opted not to because they don't think he's worthwhile. Right. He played in 21 – in 2021-2022, he played 14 games for the Portland Trailblazers. In – 2020, 2021, 
He played four games with the Atlanta Hawks. I know there were some injuries in there as well, but once again, anybody could have signed him this year. And then the year before with the Bulls, he played 51 games. This is the most recent big sample size we have of Chris Dunn. It's 2019-2020. He played 25 minutes per game and scored 21 fantasy points per night. It's at, at best, based on his previous career averages, I think his current price point is fair. But I tend to think he's probably even maybe a little bit overpriced on FanDuel and the field is playing him like crazy. And the thing with Chris Dunn, and it goes back to, you know, why he's not a great point per minute guy. He's not a great, he's not a good offensive player. He's a defensive guy and pretty much always has been. So you have that, you know, working against him from a fantasy standpoint, but also thinking about it rotationally for Utah. And this goes back to what I'd said about, um, you know, he hadn't shared the floor with Horton Tucker in previous games. He didn't in the first half last game. It's tough to play them together because you have really reduced spacing. Horton Tucker shooting 26.5% from three this year. Chris Dunn can't shoot. Agbaji's a 39.5% three-point shooter this year. Agbaji makes more sense alongside one of these guys. So it's just you have reasons that Utah wouldn't want them together. You have a player in Chris Dunn who isn't a very good point-per-minute guy playing questionable minutes at ownership. This would be an entirely different conversation if Chris Dunn were like 2% owned. Then it would be like, oh, you know, sure, he can play 24 and have a good game. But if the field's going to be there, like I just, especially on a 10-game slate, there's so much other stuff you can play. Yeah, and then the rest of this team is look at it right now. THT is projected for 15% ownership. Markinen's interesting because he's way different looking on DraftKings compared to FanDuel. DraftKings, he's 9,600, which I think is more or less a fair price point. FanDuel at 8,600. I love getting to market at an 8,600 price point on FanDuel. Uh, 96 on DK, like I said, just more or less fair. But if you look at the rest of the players on the Utah Jazz and what should be a pretty decent matchup against the Oklahoma City Thunder, SGA remains out. Uh, what else looks okay to you from the Jazz side of this game? Horton Tucker looks okay. I'm not really sold on that one either. I wasn't last late at 5,900. I'm certainly not today at 6,400. You're probably getting around 30 minutes from him. He's like a fantasy point per minute guy. 15% ownership, you know, sure, he's got good positional eligibility, but um, I think there's like a weird obsession that DFS players have with Taylor Horton Tucker, and it's been going on all season long. I don't really know why. I'm typically just not as enamored with him as the field. I'm not today either. Marking and ceiling's nice, but he is 9,600. We actually haven't seen that much of a bump for him or any bump really without Jordan Clarkson this year, which is kind of surprising, but, you know, 10% ownership coming to him on DraftKings looks okay. I'm with you on FanDuel. That's a much, much better price tag. Kessler's up to 6,900. I don't know. This is a team that like should be appealing, but I think the pricing is pretty much where it should be. And it keeps them from, in my opinion, being very appealing at all, at least on DraftKings. Yeah, nobody. Other, Chris Dunn's the only player projected for more than 15% ownership on DraftKings. FanDuel, where the prices are a little more reasonable, we do see more ownership going there. Chris Dunn is just insane to me. Glory Markin being chalky at 8,600 on FanDuel, totally get it. And then THD projected for 34% ownership. On yeah, and somebody in chat said Kelly O. Like, he's fine. He's getting 5% ownership. He's okay in tournaments. Um, he is one of the only guys on this team that can add offensive production. Like, the only players that have any sort of offensive game that are going to play any semblance of minutes are marketing Horton Tucker and Kelly Olenek. So with you, know, you do get a path to a ceiling game from Olenek, but I think the price tag is also just adjusted to where, you know, 5,900 is about where he should be priced. And THD also kind of sucks. He's just okay as yeah. a fantasy producer, like real life. He's ter- he wasn't even in the Lakers rotation last year. Right. Yeah. Like he's not, and, and Utah's done everything they can this year to keep him out of the rotation. There've been yeah. so many games this year where like somebody gets hurt. And the field is just like, oh, 20% owned, $3,200 THT. And the Jazz are like, 
okay, we're going to play Fontecchio instead. <laughs> yeah, there was there was a slate where THT was like 30% owned and then just didn't play because Fontecchio was in the rotation ahead of him. But yeah, it goes to what you said before, is that people have tried to roster THT a lot this year, and there haven't really been that many slates where it's kind of uh, worked out. So we'll talk about the OKC side of the game in a second, but we did get a super chat here from East of Spade. He wants to know who my favorite options are for DK tiers. So I saw this question pop up, so I ran some DK tiers lineups. And Ace of Spade, these are the players that I got the most exposure to in different tiers. Tier 1, Jokic, pretty easy there. Tier 2, marketing, also pretty easy. Tier 3, Anthony Davis, also one that I consider to be fairly easy. We've got DeMontis Sabonis in that tier as well. I tend to think De'Aaron Fox plays today because he practiced yesterday. If he's out, then Sabonis would be a little bit closer to AD. But right now, it's AD. Tier 4, that is Brandon Ingram. Tier 5, this is where it's a little bit more spread out. I am right now going to go with Paul George. If Paul George ultimately ends up resting because everybody else is out for the Clippers today, I wouldn't be stunned by that. But if Paul George plays with everybody else out for this team, Paul George should set up to have a really big game against the Kings. And then tier six, I like Terry Rozier with LaMelo Ball remaining out. So uh, Ace of Spade, those are the favorite guys for me as of right now in tiers. But now, Adam, let's talk about the Oklahoma City Thunder. And I never know what to make of this rotation. It's a matchup against Utah that should be decent because Utah plays at a really fast pace. and They've been bad on defense, but I don't know what to do with anybody's minutes on this team ever. Yeah, I mean, it's okay, see. Um, so we do right now, this is an injury report to keep an eye on because we don't have Kenrich Williams. He's out for the year. But right now, Lindy Waters is listed as out with the G League. Usman Jang is listed as out with the G League. So, yes, or last game, we didn't have Kenrich Williams play, but we did have Lindy Waters play 18 minutes. If these guys aren't recalled, then you are down a body from last game. Now, in that game, Dario Saric only played 15. Trey Mann only played nine. So it's not like you would get any sort of condensed rotation, but it would you know, take a body potentially out of, of the rotation. But um, you can always feel relatively good about Josh Giddy. Obviously, we are only two games removed from him playing 19 minutes, but um, normally he's going to be up around 30. He played 34 last game. He's 7,900 playing without Gildas Alexander. Uh, he's you know perfectly fine, although I think, pretty close to correctly priced at that price tag. You get a bump in usage for Lou Dort without SGA. He's 5,500. That looks fine. Jalen Williams is up to 6,800, small forward, power forward eligible. Um, the price tag is just pretty quickly increasing on him, which makes him scary to get to. It is worth noting he's played six games now where SGA has been out and Gideon Dort have been in. He does have a 24.5% usage rate and a 24% assist percentage in 32 minutes per game, 1.2 DraftKings points per minute. The ceiling is there for Jalen Williams. Uh, it's just a matter of the price tag getting up there as well. Uh, so I think Giddy, Dort, Williams are the guys that I would trust the most, but they are also pretty much correctly priced. Uh, you had Isaiah Joe go back to the bench last game, still play 29.5 minutes. There's some upside for him in tournaments getting 9% ownership, 4,500 shooting guard, small forward. Um, certainly risky as hell, but you know there's some upside there. Uh, but Giddy, Dort, Jalen Williams, the wing, are the guys I would trust the most. Uh, I don't hate, you know, in large field tournaments, taking some flyers on Isaiah Joe, Wiggins, Sharich, you know, any of these guys can get there. Just super fun to predict Giddy's minutes. Here's what it's been over the last handful of games. 34, 19, 32, 24, 38, 24, 32, 28. Just all over the place with Josh Giddy and uh, SGA is just going to be ruled out with various issues. It seems for the rest of the year, they have him on the injury report, with like three different things right now. They've got the abdominal stroke. So now it's abdominal strain and COVID protocols, but 
it was other stuff before. So we'll see how much he ultimately ends up playing down the stretch of the season. But let's move on to the Clippers and Kings. And from the Clippers side of the game, keep an eye out on this team's injury report as well. I wouldn't be shocked if we ultimately end up seeing Paul George ruled out as well, because as of now, we've got no Kawhi Leonard. Norman Powell was in a splint after the game on his arm. So he's doubtful to play today. I wouldn't be surprised if he's out for an extended period of time. Zubats and Marcus Morse, they're both questionable. They sat out last night. This team has yet to win a game since signing Russell Westbrook. But if everybody sits and like Russell Westbrook's out there by himself, I guess he'd be well, he'd be one of the top options on the slate in a matchup against the Kings. But what are your expectations for the Clippers and how live is Paul George to rest considering that Kawhi Leonard's already out and so many other players are on the injury report? Yeah, I mean, it, nothing this team does tonight would surprise me. Um, I really have no idea right now like how to to talk about them. If we just get a situation where like Kawhi is out and every, you know, Kawhi's out, Powell's out, everybody else is back. Then Paul George looks good at 8,300. Westbrook looks fine at 7,100. You know, they would both be expected to get a bump without Kawhi. Everything else would be pretty mediocre. Like, you just have a bunch of cheap pieces that you can mix and match in lineups between Batum, Morris, Gordon, maybe a 3K Bones Highland, you know, picks up some minutes. But where it really gets interesting is, you know, if this injury report comes out and you're getting multiple guys resting. Because like you said, if they were to rest George and Westbrook's out there by himself, you've got a $7,100 triple-double coming. So, um, you know, he would look really good. Bones Highland at 3K would almost certainly be getting minutes in that situation. Eric Gordon would be a productive player in that situation at 3,700. Like, this team could end up being basically the Pacers from last night, depending on how injury news breaks. And we got a super chat from Avi Schreier. He's saying that uh, the last, the uh, the big game that Chris Dunn had, he was only 2% on it. Avi said that he locked him that day. Well, if that's the case, good on you because, yeah, yeah that's the one day. Congratulations on your money. Yeah, Chris Dunn. That, that's where the super chat money's coming from. It's, it's via Chris Dunn. Maybe we should like him more than uh, we've been giving credit for here. But thank you for the super chat, Avi, and good to know. Yeah, he was only 2% on the day that he had that big night. So I don't really have anything else to say about the Clippers. There's so many players on the injury report. We need more information. Yeah. So yeah, Josh like, Los Angeles said Gordon could sit too. Yeah, absolutely could. Um, I have no idea who is going to be active for this team tonight. Yeah, keep an eye. I assume the 1.30 p.m. Eastern time injury report or the 5.30 p.m. Eastern time injury report are going to have a bunch of players rolled out for the Clippers. So be on the lookout for that. And then like the video, subscribe to the YouTube channel, watch Deep Dive, watch Live Before Lock later. We're going to have updates on the Clippers. The King side of the game, also we need updates here because De'Aaron Fox is questionable. Now, with that said, this is a pretty important game for the Kings. It has it has implications for seeding, has implications for the division. De'Aaron Fox practiced yesterday. I think he's going to be good to go today. Uh, is that how you feel as well? And then what would end up happening if he doesn't play? Yeah, I'm guessing Fox plays. And if he does, I'm kind of not interested in this team. Um, obviously, Fox is is fine. Sabonis is good. But there's so many good centers on this slate. Um, if Fox is out, it doesn't necessarily change a ton. You would probably get Davion Mitchell starting at 3,500. He sucks on a point-per-minute basis. But he's 3,500 if you need a, a cheap you know, guard. It would open up more usage for guys like Herter and Barnes. Sabonis, when Fox is out, is always interesting to me because his ownership typically comes up but his fantasy production doesn't change that much. There's more opportunities for him to do things, but the two-man game with him and Fox is so effective and such a big part of his production that the point-per-minute production doesn't change all that much without Fox on the floor. Um, so if Fox is out, to me, it actually just makes the wing, like the peripheral players look more appealing, guys like Herter and Barnes. Yeah, I, this is a late start time, but also we have a lot more late start time games than we usually have. Even on bigger slates, there's usually only a couple of them. 
We've got three 10 p.m. Eastern time starts tonight and one 10.30. So even if you guys have players who are in your lineups who are questionable for the late games, if somebody gets ruled out, you're going to have the flexibility to move stuff around. A lot of later games today, more than usual. So let's move on to the next one. We just need more information on that Kling, on that uh, Kings-Clippers game. But Memphis Grizzlies and the Denver Nuggets for the Grizzlies. Uh, one thing of note here is that Dylan Brooks is one technical away from being suspended because he is an absolute uh, moron and an idiot, and he wears absolutely stupid shit to basketball games, which I assume he picked up a technical foul for. That is well last game. But Dylan Brooks, who actually I believe has the – second lowest true shooting percentage of any qualified player this year in the NBA. Uh, so Dylan Brooks, just any time I get a chance to slander him a little bit, I will do so. Uh, but when it comes to the payoff options for the Grizzlies, John Morant remains kind of cheap. He is now at 10,300 over on DraftKings. Fan, we've got Morant at a 10,100 price point. Uh, I think Morant's going a little bit overlooked here and he's a little bit underpriced. I like Morant quite a bit. Is he playing with a broken face? Did I miss something? John he's, list, he's listed on the injury report as available with a nasal fracture slash face mask. Uh, so I guess so. Yeah, I I missed it. But uh, yeah, he looks good at 10-3. You know, obviously, you get a nice ceiling from him. The problem with him is just that he doesn't typically play as many minutes as other guys in this 10K range. So, you know, yeah, he's a really good point-per-minute guy. He gives you a high ceiling. Clearly, he's like two games removed from going for 70-something fantasy points. The ceiling's there. Um, but, you know, you do get a pretty high opportunity cost, you know, at that price point. Um, but I do like getting to Ja. He's the only guy that I'm really interested in from Memphis. If you get to a little bit of Desmond Bain in tournaments, if you get to a little bit of $7,700 Jackson, that's fine. Um, $4,200 Brooks. But again, to reiterate, I know I've said it a lot recently, Dylan Brooks, when Morant, Bain, and Jackson are in, is not the Dylan Brooks meme that just chucks up shots. He's like a 17 18% usage guy. So the minutes should be there. But the... Usage isn't, you, you know, you need him to actually be efficient on not many shots, which is not his game. Yeah, I just searched the news and I didn't see anything on Moran. I'll look on Twitter. When you look up Morant, the only thing that comes about him potentially being suspended for punching the 17 year old. Yeah. Uh, so that's the the biggest John Morant news at the Threatening moment. a security guard, beating up a 17 year old and pulling a gun on him. Yeah. The thing that's crazy about the Grizz is this was a really likable young team not all that long ago. And now... They're like the heel of the NBA. I, no, I find this, this is the least likable team in the league. And the Jaron Jackson thing is ridiculous to me, but there are a lot of people who are upset about that too. It was the big splits home road, but I know Zach Lowe looked into it and Kirk Goldsberry, and they said that like, yeah, there's a lot more defensive stats for Jaron Jackson Jr. at home than on the road this year. They went back and watched all the games. They said all of them were legitimate blocks and steals. Uh, but yeah, the rest of it, I hate Dylan Brooks. John Moran's become pretty unlikable with all of his uh, issues off the court, so. Uh, yeah, kind of fun team to root against. I, you and I both have futures bets on them, and they, uh, now I just don't like this team. They're still my favorite non-Washington team in the NBA. <laughs> I like uh, them. Any, the, the, the more people start to dislike them, the more I like them. But it's the reason why people dislike them. Like, I just can't stand Dylan Brooks. And then John Moran, it's like, oh, well, he's punching 17-year-olds and, like, gun charges. Yeah, but – so I, I don't mind Dylan Brooks. I, I think that Dylan – like, people hate Dylan Brooks so much. I think he's a good defender, and when he plays in his role, he's good. So, like, I don't mind liking him. Um, I, I I love having a team that just pulls guns on opponents and, you know, <laughs> shines lasers on them while they're waiting for their boss. Um, yeah, no, I, I still love Memphis. Yeah, and Boss Bro brings up a good point. A lot of 17-year-olds need to be punched in the face. Fair. 
Yeah, fair. I, I don't. I don't think that's unreasonable. That whole situation was weird too. Like it was a pickup game at Morant's house. So like clearly he knew the guy. Yeah, I also wonder. So it's, it's somebody who's like friend. But also, why is he friends with seventeen year olds? Is it like well, a friend? He, dude, he's only like 23, 24. That's still weird though. But like, so that's like. But like, if it's if it a lot like a lot of these guys are so um ingrained in like AAU like in hoops and stuff like it's not weird for them to like have basketball relationships with younger guys I have no idea like you know who the guy was he was somebody's younger brother or what but like clearly he knew him he was at his house yeah well either way Memphis Grizzlies on the road against the uh Denver Nuggets I don't like Memphis but Nicole Jokic uh, generally somebody I like to look at for DFS purposes because he almost always projects as the highest player on any given slate for me relative to everybody else the problem with today, though, is there's a lot of center options. Nikola Jokic, it's always hard, particularly on FanDuel, who can only roster one center. Considering the price point of Jokic, I haven't been playing him as much as of late as I normally would. And then the other thing, too, is Jamal Murray's healthy and playing better. We've got Aaron Gordon back in the picture. Now, Michael Porter Jr. has played better in the second half. I don't really think I'm going to be getting to a ton of the Denver Nuggets tonight. No, me neither. Um, you know, Jokic, obviously... Great. If you can get there, cool. Um, but you do have very high opportunity cost at center tonight. Still pulling 15% ownership for Jokic. Beyond that, there's not much. You know, Jamal Murray's price tags come down a little bit to 7,800. He certainly gives you a nice ceiling. Porter's relatively inexpensive at 5,500. You know, third option at best offensively. So it's not like you can really trust him. But you will get the big games here and there. But uh, yeah, not a team where much stands out. Yeah, so let's just move on. Kinkar uh, is questionable play. That's not really going to have any kind of impact, and there's other spots where there is more uh, applicable injury news. But the New Orleans Pelicans, they are one of those teams. Jonas Valanciunas is doubtful to play today. Larry Nance is out. Jose Alvarado's out. Zion Williamson remains out. We have Willie Hernan Gomez projected for a whole bunch of ownership today. He started in the last game for New Orleans in the absence of all those players. He is $4,600 on FanDuel and projected for 55% ownership. And then if you look at him over on DraftKings, Hernan Gomez, 4,300 projected for 27% ownership. Uh, how high of a priority is Hernan Gomez going to be for you, assuming he starts? Assuming he starts, very high. Um, because if he starts, that means he's not DNPing, which is good. Um, and... You know, obviously, he's a very, very good point-per-minute guy. Uh, we have him right now projected for 27% ownership, 4,300. He's just going to look like a really good play, assuming that he is in the starting lineup. Uh, played 21 minutes last game. Jackson Hayes played 16. They closed with a small lineup, which you certainly could see happen again here. But even if you expect around 20 minutes from Hernan Gomez, he's going to look like a good play. Yeah, and any, any fear for you that he doesn't start and that it could be Jackson Hayes starting? It wouldn't surprise me at all if Jackson Hayes starts. Um, thirty-eight hundred power forward eligible Jackson Hayes. If he starts, is I think a good value as well. The other thing I'll say about it because I do think there's a chance Hayes starts just because the matchup against the Warriors and it being a little bit of a smaller team. Here's the good news: if you start with Willie Hernan Gomez, Hayes is cheaper and he's more position eligibility. It's a lot easier to go from Hernan Gomez to Hayes than it is to go from Hayes to Hernan Gomez. So just something to keep in mind as you guys build your lineups. Uh, and then on the payup side, Brandon Ingram, CJ McCollum. They've been seeing extra usage as of late. Uh, we do have McCollum banged up dealing with a thumb injury, and that's also part of the reason that Ingram individually has had massive usage. But has the price point caught up to Ingram to the point where he's not as strong of an option now? I think he's still a pretty strong option. Uh, you know, no Joval, no no Zion, plenty of usage to go around. Small forward eligible, so that's nice. 
pulling 20% ownership, 14% chance of being optimal. I still don't really have any issues with Ingram um, at 8,600. He also played 38 minutes last game, so we've seen that playing time ramp up a little bit. Uh, I still like getting there. I think McCollum looks fine. He's low-owned, but makes him kind of interesting in tournaments at 7,800. And then these wings, you know, if you do think that they're going to close small, which I think there's a good chance that they will, you have Najee Marshall at 3,400. You have Herb Jones at 4,100. Trey Murphy coming in at 4K. You know, in that last game, you got... 28 minutes from Jones, which, you know, at 4,100 is fine, but he could certainly play more here. Uh, Trey Murphy off the bench played 32. Najee played 27. If you get that same closing lineup that you did last game, these guys all look good. Now, Josh Richardson didn't close last game, uh, but, you know, and, and he certainly could today. Like, I think there's a good chance that he he would. He's 5,100. You know, he's somebody you could take a shot on as well. But I think there's a good chance that you're getting a closing lineup of McCollum, Ingram, and then three out of four of Marshall, Murphy, Richardson and Jones. Yeah. And we've got the other side of the game to talk about the words and just one final game left. But I want to remind you guys that don't forget that if you are signing up at stochastic for the first time, use the link that we have below. Cause it is going to get you 50% off the first package you sign up for. If you've never signed up here before. And we've got so many tools now behind the paywall for players of all different levels and our new NBA lineup generator, where if you guys have not checked this out yet, you could get access to it for less than $5 with the 50% off coupon that we have below. And this is something that if you're somebody who, you know, you don't have time to watch all our shows, you don't have time to look at projections and build out lineups, the lineup generator is just going to do it for you based on all the different tools and the simulations we have over at stochastic.com. You could delete lineups you don't like, save lineups you do like. If you want to tinker with them, you could swap players out for other players and we give you all of our projections and who projects the best to swap to. So we've been featuring that tool a little bit more as of late. So if you guys want to get access to that for less than $5, sign up using the link we have below. This is the best way, in my opinion, for newer DFS players to get started in uh, in the industry and in DFS is with our NBA lineup generator. And once again, click on the link below, 50% off the first package you sign up for. Let's talk about the Golden State Warriors, Adam, and Steph Curry remains out. Oh, this looks like the last time he's going to miss a game. It seems like he's due back over the weekend, but in the interim, this is a tail end of a back-to-back for the Warriors, but it was a blowout yesterday because they played the Clippers. Clippers never win games with Russell Westbrook anymore. So with that in mind, I don't think anybody should be that exhausted. Clay Thompson plays on the tail end of back-to-backs now. What is standing out to you about Golden State? Uh, not too much. Like, you get some value with Looney at 5K, but, like, that could certainly just disappear. One thing that is interesting to me is that Looney's getting 10.5% ownership right now. We talked about Mitchell Robinson and Robert Williams at the same price point not getting any. I'd rather just get some of them you know like I, I don't think they're very different from looney but you know like if you get zubats ruled out Plumlee's in this price range as well and he's gonna look good so looney's fine divincenzo shooting guard small forward the minute should be there for him the production you know is anybody's guess then you get to the main pieces with draymond pool thompson like you get a high ceiling from all of them but they are correctly priced as well you know you know pool is uh, gonna go out there and chuck probably miss a lot but he's gonna chuck uh clay thompson maybe you'll set you know another like five-year high in rebounding, but unlikely. Shooting guard, small forward um, should, you know, he has a high ceiling, but I think he's just correctly priced. So it's a team that, you know, again, I think there's guys you can play, but nobody that stands out is like a great value. Yeah, and uh, once again, when Steph Curry comes back, it's going to change a lot. So you could still, like Jordan Poole, I think looks better on FanDuel than he does on DraftKings, but also these players are pretty appropriately priced for the absence of Steph Curry at this point. That everybody's going to be way overpriced when Curry comes back over the weekend. But one final game to talk about, Minnesota Timberwolves on the road against the Los Angeles Lakers. For Minnesota, 
Mike Conley hasn't really gotten going from a fantasy standpoint for this team, but the absence of D'Angelo Russell from Minnesota and Mike Conley being in the starting lineup instead, it's opened up more usage for players, particularly Anthony Edwards. So we've seen Edwards see a bit of a price increase now, and he's also less popular than what he was because we saw him you know, around 8,000 when Russell was first out and was super, super popular. Now, though, Edwards is $9,400 over on DraftKings. FanDuel Edwards also $9,400. How do you like him as a payoff option? And is there anybody else you're looking to get to from Minnesota? Yeah, I mean, I think Edwards is fine. Like you're getting a, a nice ceiling from him, but I do think the price tag is pretty much where where it should be. Um, we have him pulling 7% ownership, 8% chance of being optimal, shooting guard, small forward. No real takes there. Like that just looks pretty much correct. Um you have reasonable price tags on Conley and Anderson, but on a 10-game slate, they're not really going to stand out. The one spot that I think is interesting to me, and the price tag has come up a bit, but Rudy Gobert at 7,400, only pulling 1% ownership. He, I think, is going to be better going forward with Mike Conley than he was with D'Angelo Russell. He has history with Mike Conley. Mike Conley knows how to involve him offensively. D'Angelo Russell did not, and from reports when he left, actively did not want to so we have five games so far this year where gobert has played with the uh with mike conley in those games he's averaged 1.18 DraftKings points per minute he's got an 18 and a half percent usage rate in the 45 games he played with russell 1.09 DraftKings points per minute 16 percent usage rate i do think you know again that the price tag sort of beat us to the beat us to the punch like you're not getting that $6,500 Gobert anymore. But I think you're going to see more ceiling games out of Gobert now that Conley's there. I'm just not sure how actionable it is on this slate because there's so many good center options. It's not like I'm advocating for just jamming in a bunch of $7,400 Gobert. But I do think you see more ceiling games from him going forward than you have to this point this season. So now let's talk about the Lakers, who they're going to be getting Anthony Davis back. AD sat last game. We still have D'Angelo Russell out. We still have LeBron James out. LeBron, depending how these next handful of games go for the Lakers, I'm still kind of skeptical whether he ends up returning and playing at all for this team this year. But uh, one of the reasons that when we were talking about Nikola Jokic before and why he's not uh, somebody I really think I'm going to be getting to a lot as a payoff option is because if I'm paying up for one center today, to me it's Anthony Davis in the absence of LeBron James. I like the price discount we're getting on him relative to Jokic. And I still think that Davis not quite priced appropriately for the absence of LeBron. So how do you view him as a payoff option? Yeah, I'm right there with you. Uh, he looks great. And this is one reason why a lot of the centers we've talked about haven't been getting that much ownership. You have a bunch going to Hernan Gomez. You have a bunch going to Davis. And then you know, you're just spreading out the rest to a bunch of guys that look pretty similar. Um, but I'm with you as far as really wanting to pay up for Davis here. 10-2 is a very fair price tag. Um, it helps make up for the opportunity cost that he's probably $1,000 too cheap. Matchup is fine. Um, he's about a fantasy point and a half per minute guy without LeBron or Westbrook on the floor this year. He's played a total of 10 games without LeBron this year, 1.73 DraftKings points per minute and three in 33 and a half minutes per game. You know, again, I expect that point per minute production to come down over a larger sample, but he's been great without LeBron overall. He's been very good without him on the floor. I love getting to Davis here. Malik Beasley, Dennis Schroeder, these guys both look fine at their price tags as well. Prices have come up a little bit, but um, this is sort of like Utah where you take out LeBron, you take out Russell, so you're opening this massive void of guys that you know create and provide offense, and there's not that many guys on the Lakers that can fill it. Anthony Davis obviously is going to take on a huge role. Beasley can, Schroeder can, but like Jared Vanderbilt, we've seen him be a very popular play recently. I still think he's a perfectly fine play because the minute should be there, but he's not somebody that has an offensive game. He can't step up and fill in anything 
you know, that that's being left open. Reeves isn't a great offensive player. Brown isn't. So you need Beasley to step up and do more. You need Schroeder to step up and do more. Um, potentially Rui, potentially Lonnie Walker. Like these are guys that can step into a bigger role as well. Uh, so, you know, love Anthony Davis. I like Beasley. I like Schroeder. I don't mind in large field tournaments taking some shots on, say, Rui or Lonnie Walker and, you know, just hoping that that they get hot. Yeah, and then the other thing, too, when it comes to uh, Anthony Davis, at least relative to DraftKings and FanDuel, is DraftKings, he's underpriced. FanDuel, he's more appropriately priced at 11.5, but AD is power forward eligibility on FanDuel, which just makes him easier to get to than he does on DraftKings, where only has the eligibility at the center. So extra price point on FanDuel, but offset by the additional power forward uh, eligibility. Any of the other role players that we should be keeping an eye on from the Lakers? I forgot to mention Reeves, but you can throw him into that mix with like Rui and Walker. Where like I feel better about Reeves playing time, but you know he's not a particularly high usage guy. But he can step into a little bit bigger role offensively. And that is going to do it for us today. If you guys haven't done it yet, like the video, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and once again, shout out to Prize Picks, the sponsor of our show. If you guys haven't signed up there. Use the link below to sign up. You'll get one free month of Stochastic Plus Platinum when you sign up using our link. That's going to do it for us today, guys. Watch all the rest of our content today. Good luck tonight. Hope to see you later.